Our lives aren't like they used to be. They're busier. Early morning Zooms, grabbing coffee to make that in-office meeting, getting to your kid's soccer game on time. Life is different, and so is advertising. To reach any audience, you need your message out there in all media, broadcast to streaming, on screens, and right to the ears of your customers. And that's what we do at Odyssey. Let's build a media campaign that targets the customers you know and want to reach more of. Right here in our community. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Dan Bernstein. The Los Angeles Lakers are trading Patrick Beverly to the Orlando Magic for Mo Bamba. Oh! Steph West, stay with the effing pole. You F around and get pulled. Because I got hoes. So many effing hoes. Where's Layla when you need her? Layla Rahimi. NBA modern offensive efficiency is driven by the three-point efficiency. Correct. Look yes. at the top. Look at the top. <laughs> yes, let's, let's do this. Like, what? We've been doing this. Like, I've been in that space for 10 years. I learned the process. So Denver is your number one at 39.7 percentage. Then it's Phoenix. Philly, do any of these teams sound like good teams does, to does you? Does this correlate Golden to anything? State, number six is the Clippers. Then you've got the Trailblazers, Celtics, Kings, who I think are probably the sleeper team in the NBA playoffs. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk. The reason why we were in a lot of games last year, we were not shooting a lot of threes, but we were making them, right? We still making them. Um, no. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. You know what day it is, Dan Bernstein? It's Wednesday. It is February 15th. You know what this job is? It's not my main job, but it is my side job. Happy February 15th, everybody! (laughs) If you get the joke, I hope you laughed. Nice to see you. Hello. Pitchers and catchers are reporting, so if that warms one's baseball soul... Good for you. And if the White Sox decide to make it more difficult by having an ass bag in their uniform, they, that that sucks for all of us. So they'll they'll try to explain themselves today, or maybe not. And I I, I want to know what they know. I, I want to know why. I want to know what they've been told and why this is kind of okay. There seems to be people saying, well, you know, the Padres knew, and he was under investigation since the middle of the season last year. So if he could pitch then, he can pitch now. And now it's just a different fan base, a different team that has to explain why they want him as a part of their organization. So I guess we'll we'll ask that question. With a pitch clock that affects his delivery and a guy who his health is questionable. Yeah, it's going to affect everybody. And and the good teams are doing their homework on who are the long recharge guys. Who are the guys that Michael Kropak that need their power bar? Yeah, that, was, that need that sorry, that, that, vid- that video game power bar to recharge every time because it's it's going to wear on you. Where Michael Kopech was only going five innings anyway, even with huffing and puffing and twitching and sweating through in between every pitch for a minute and a half. And I like Michael Kopech, but there are just some obvious things that concern me about how much time it takes in between pitches, especially if there's a runner on, especially now with the new pizza box bases. I like him. I I was for safety base at first. 
You I, were. I always thought there's no reason not to have a good old softball orange and white safety base. You know, go ahead, do that, and then figure out how you're going to legislate it after the fact. But if you, we'll see. Why not? Give it a shot. We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We're looking forward to talking to Mike Florio at 11 o'clock, Megan Montemuro on the Cubs at 11.25, Robert Mays at 1. We got uh, High Noon as well. I've got an animal update for you. And, yeah, because you, you missed Beavergate. You missed, <laughs> you, missed, you missed the big muskrat beaver controversy. And, I'm, and I'm, still, I'm still salty about it. I'm, I'm still... Well, I saw the picture... Well, the picture wasn't great, and people are blaming me for having a, a picture that didn't show properly the size and the tail, and saying that's why there was muskrat speculation. But it's it's the fact that people didn't trust me to properly identify that animal is what what irks me. Welcome Danny, to being a woman on the internet. I'm not a woman though. You were supposed to get in the Lincoln Park Lagoon, Dan. You were supposed to get in jump there. in there and, right. and and introduce myself to the thirty five pound beaver. The beaver could have come up to your camera and said, "Hi, I'm a beaver. This is what I do for a living." And people would still question. Hand me its resume. Yes, and they'd be like, "Well, are you sure? I mean, how many? You haven't been a beaver. How do you know?" That's what I was getting. If that's if that's your life all the time, that sucks. Yeah, that's welcome a, to it. That's a nightmare. Yes, yeah. Welcome so I'm like, to look, it. Wait, you're, you're, seriously, you're, you're saying I don't know the difference between a beaver and a muskrat? Really? Like I like somehow I'm not going to know that. Come on, I don't know, Bernstein. I I think I might have been a muskrat. I think you're wrong. And then I get an email from my 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 dad sends an email. He's like, you know, there's muskrat. Are you sure it wasn't a muskrat? Because there's muskrats around here. I see them in the north branch of the river around here all the time. Like, well, I'm sure you do. This wasn't a muskrat. I, I, I'm, I'm not arguing. I see muskrats too all the time. I'm, I'm around sympathy. a lot of lakes. I I'm, do a lot of fishing. I've in, and I've seen beavers in you know, big, the big beaver dams that they build, the lodges, the big things. So, oh, just, I don't know, Bernstein, are you sure? I don't think you know the difference. Come on, man. He's Come describing on. every minute of my life right now. Oh, that's got to be awful. What 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 torture that's got to be. Well, actually, I think uh, I think I know better than you do. Yes, no, that is 100% my life all of the time. <laughs> oh god. How, and the dumbest people are the ones who speak the loudest. I'm carrying a blowgun with me just like there. Go to sleep for a while. And people take, wonder why take I have an plays off. <laughs> Here. Take a dart in your neck. Lie down for a while. Oh my gosh! If I could, if I could put darts in people's necks, I'd yeah. be a much happier person. Just a little blowgun, just <laughs> and then down they go. Just you know, just to take I mean, a time out. Like obviously, I'm referring to like social media, but yes, like somebody tried to tell me that they tried to like flip the contract of AJ Pollock and say the Sox paid him to leave, and I'm like, that's literally not what no, happened he, at all. He paid you the just want to tell me that because you think I'm wrong. Like, no, he took money to leave the team. Like, he he left it on the table, millions of dollars to not play for this team. Your press conference is coming at 12.15. Is it 15 or 45? Because I, I heard what uh, David Hall was saying. According to uh, our show's correspondent, James Fegan, it's 12.15. Okay. Good. Our time. I don't know. And Fegan, if we can find a window for James, we'll we'll put him on with some React there. But this is uh, it's we're we're getting close to baseball time. You know who I'm happy for though this season, James Fegan, because he doesn't have to ask Tony Larusa the questions that we all want to know in press conferences. 
You know, I maybe we should. He s- took one for the team last year, and maybe we're under celebrating that. Maybe it's really, we are hundred percent. Maybe under it's celebrating. I, no, seriously. Maybe it's really important to recognize Tony Larusa is not here. The White Sox season is starting, and Tony Larusa is not here. It's not quite like remembering Jim Boylan was fired, because I don't know how much that matters anymore. <laughs> but no, no, you know why it still matters. Look at Larry Marketing right now. Yeah. Took two teams, but don't worry about that part. No, I shouldn't. There's other things to worry about with the Bulls. I know you've got Man, some, you've got plenty of Bulls. I have not had up. anywhere to park these thoughts. And you know what? While I'm sitting here, obviously it, it's settled in a different way. But John Wall, seeing the initial news that John Wall was going back to the Rockets after he called playing their quote trash end quote, <laughs> I was like. What savagery hath the NBA trade deadline wrought? My God. It was just his contract. It wasn't really him. You got traded to the Rockets. Talk about the Rockets experience. Trash. I mean, when I read that, I was like, wait a second. John Wall's going back. What? In the department of point guards, if you had to go John Wall versus Russ, what do you do? Because John Wall's still out there, right? Like, that's a possibility? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't... Neither. Neither. I, they, neither one does anything right now for this, for where the Bulls are and what they're doing. They make it interesting. They do give Maybe us Maybe you go drama. from the 11th seed to the 9th seed. They give us something to talk about here, but but these, these last three games have really been a statement. They wanted a statement. They got one. And... <sighs> They are what they're doing now. Their their defensive rating over the last three, I want to say, is ninety seven six. What was that word John Wall used? Yeah, thirtieth out of thirty. I've got some wild Bulls stats too. Yeah, and so, I know we're going to talk about Russ, but I do want to get this off my chest. All right, well let's let's do that. Let's take a quick break and let you have an open mic to share your your Bulls thoughts. Venting my my yeah. week old NBA thoughts. Absolutely, Bulls venting. This is the place for it as we await. Baseball news today, so stick with us. This is the Bernstein and Holmes show. Lawrence is out. Layla is in on the score. Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. It seems like we've, we've regressed as the season has gone on instead of getting better because, again, this is just the decision-making and, again, number of turnovers, isolation basketball, only 17 assists. Yeah. It just, I don't, I guess, you know, because it's, and I mean, I'm flabbergasted. I don't know. <laughs> Trash. As Professor Purdue, who has been terrific on NBC Sports Chicago, talking about this team and trying to figure it out, but you haven't had an open microphone in front of you for a while, watching the Bulls just slowly desiccate into irrelevance. Yeah, I've. I've earned some time off that I have to take, and I was off on Monday night. Did that stop me from watching the game? The one where they didn't make a three in an entire half of basketball? It did not. But let's just start at the beginning here instead of starting at the end. I can't say I'm surprised at all that they didn't make a single move at the trade deadline. Because given the offseason, didn't you think that they weren't going to do those things? They didn't even address the things they needed in the offseason. They didn't get rim protection. They got a rebounder. 
the thing they addressed was the fact that they probably knew Lonzo Ball was not going to play this season or very much, and they gave Goran Dragic a minutes promise. That was the one big thing that they addressed when it came to a need. So I wasn't surprised. What do we say they needed other than rim protection? Shooting. Yes. Shooting, 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 depth shooting like other teams have. And additionally, it is a shame to me that if Nikola Vucevic is going to have this wonderful season and he's a free agent at the end of the year, that you didn't get anything for a potential rental for, for another team who could probably use a big. Because I could see him making a difference on quite a few teams that were potentially contending. Unless, and even worse, they got the indication from him that he's going to resign here, and then you're going to spend a lot of money on some of his waning years. Well, you spent two first-rounders on the guy. Yep. You committed to that. That was an investment that you actively made. So seeing it play out in a way where I hope there's some direction regarding his position and his production specifically moving forward would be a real cue here. But let's remind everybody, you've got three first-round picks wrapped up in DeMar DeRozan and Vooch. So that's where I sit with that. But you're right. No matter how you slice it, the statement that they have made since the trade deadline and now looking forward to the NBA All-Star break is one that is incredibly concerning. And here's another question. We haven't even addressed this yet. DeMar DeRozan comes out of nowhere on Monday night tells everybody he's been dealing with this strain for a month and a half. I know it kept him out of a few games last month, but does that mean you're not doing anything at All-Star? Is that what we're to take from this? Because you're talking about how forward you're looking to the break. He's the Bulls' representative, so I don't know where that comes into play in all of this. I would assume that means you're not doing anything at All-Star. I didn't even think about it. What I what I thought about was, do you remember what we talked about before the season, how he and and people who were were doing his bidding were trying to to shout down anybody's like, well, you know, DeMar's 33. You know, this is a, they're really putting a lot of uh, pressure on a guy to deliver with at that age. It was like, oh, who's, he's not old. He doesn't want to hear he's old. And, but this is part of being old. He went from fifth in the NBA in scoring this time last year to now 15. This is part of being old. This is, this is, and, and you get sore. That doesn't bother me, but yes, you're right. His body is not going to be as fresh at times. And, Let's face it, DeMar is also a guy who puts a lot of miles on his body in the offseason. I understand his emotional commitment to the Drew League. That makes sense to me. But that means you probably have to manage elsewhere. So how is that going to play out? You've been harder on DeMar famously than I have. But the thing that incredibly bothered me last night, or two nights ago, watching that game, was simple design, too. It wasn't even the lack of execution of design. It's the fact that it doesn't matter if it's weak side or strong side. If you split that court in half looking at the bull's basket, the entire right side of the court is just open. You just leave it open. I can't count how many times somebody was open on the elbow and he was completely ignored, not just by the bulls and their passing construct, but by the defense too. Well, it depends who it is. Unless it's DeMar. Unless DeMar's on the right side of that paint, nothing's happening there for some reason. I don't know how this is occurring in, in this year of our Lord, 2023. If they can't shoot. And, and if they, all, all it takes is one guy on the floor who can't shoot, and then other people are covered with a, by a defense that has any understanding of what's going on. And if Drummond's on the floor, you don't have to cover him. And teams are perfectly happy to leave Io open. And increasingly, Dragic. And increasingly, Patrick Williams. 
Well, he's still around 40%. He's, he's had a bad stretch lately. I would still make sure I've got a hand in his face. But the problem with him no, is... No, Patrick Williams would raise his hand and be like, hey, guys. And like the play's all just on the other side of the court. Because it he's not cutting. Insane. That, that's on him. He can go right to the basket. He can go beat his guy down the baseline for a lob. And if he's it, 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 when he does it, it looks great. And sometimes he's just not. And that that's what we're all asking him to do more. It's also of. where you use that length to your advantage. I can tell you how many times whenever I hear Patrick Williams needs to be more aggressive in my head. I picture him from the right side taking three strides easily and then just taking it right to the rack. Especially when you have a freeway of a lane. And the other the other part of this is, boy, is there a book out on how to defend this team. And just nobody seems to, to want to adjust to that. I understand you're going to have, you're depleted, severely depleted right now. We saw Dale and Terry get serious minutes in the third quarter. And it'll probably happen again tonight. Oh, wait. Tonight's going to be a bum fest. Right. Because tonight, as as of right now, DeRozan didn't make the trip. Derek Jones Jr., I don't is think, made out. the trip. Caruso's questionable. And Dragic is probable. So there will be Dale and Terry minutes. You're going to you're gonna have to find a way to play Drummond minutes. And maybe maybe we're freeing Carly Jones. I, I actually, am I crazy that I want to see Carly Jones? I've seen I him, thought Carly Jones I, put in some good work in Summer League and in the G League. He's earned this opportunity. I, I've I've watched a, a lot, more than, I, than you'd probably care to admit. I've watched a, a lot of Carly Jones. This is the time to talk about it. And he, if you need a guy who can get his and and get to the basket. Downhill player. He is a, he is, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. And and it's it, when it's his turn, he's going to go. And he's got kind of a funky, slingshotty jumper, but it's not terrible. And I don't know if he could defend you on on his best day. Yeah, that's half the team. I, I, I would send it, it is, but I would definitely send Carleek to the Doug McDermott defensive accessory wall. Oh dear! So he gets his choice of of what was it? Folding chair, tennis racket, pool cue. <laughs> Or nunchucks. He, he, Always go with the nunchucks. I don't know. It depends on the matchup. I think it, it completely depends on the matchup. If you, you know, a nice a nice folding chair to the back of the neck on somebody or being able to, to, to poke with a pool cue. So he gets his choice on the accessory wall. <laughs> but I'm, I'm rooting for him because he has worked so hard. And all he's doing every night in the G League is scoring 30 points. Grinding. I mean, he's, he's, it's every night you get that press release from them. It's like, Carly, win, loss, he's got 30. Oh, no, Twitch. I'm not here for this. This anti-Carly Jones talk. This is what we have right now. This is Carly Jones's time. I'm not going to diminish his contributions to this team and how hard he's worked to earn this opportunity. We're not doing that today. No, go he ahead. He is getting his. Good on you, Carly Jones. That is what the G League is all about. Dang it. And if and if he gets his chance, and you saw what happened in Paris when he got in, what did he do? Wreck shot. Right to the basket. Immediately, like, I oh, did. I have the ball. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go right because you know, what happens? You go to the basket, you put the ball in the basket, you get points. Carly Jones was in Paris. That's the point here. I've got to- if this turns into a Carly Jones appreciation show, I wouldn't even be mad. You know why? Because he's doing his job every day. Unfortunately, I'm the, the Bulls are five games out of the sixth seed. It's in getting a loss worse. Column. Like that's over. 
Like, Benedict Matherin is going to eat today. Are you ready for the overconfidence of Benedict Matherin tonight? That sounds like a, a book title or like like Dickensian or something. The overconfidence of Benedict Matherin. It's going to happen. Yeah. He's, he's good. But he's real good against this team, and he knows it. Yeah, and they're not very good, but the Bulls are out, man. If this or- Benedict Matherin is out there doing no-look passes now, man. He's leveling up. Or this could be a uh, Zach Levine 50-piece, too. I'm okay with that. He, he, possible he gets on one and says, all right, that's enough of this losing streak ever since the vote of confidence came in at us. Wait a second. What was that lineup in Paris? It was like Carly Jones, Dalen Terry. What? It was the last several minutes of the game. Was, was Simonovich on the trip? Was yes. He- I think Simonovich went, Yes. Yeah, he had seven threes the other night in a game. Like that's 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 what you want. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like in the in the score sheet. I don't know if he's any good. I kind of don't think so. Like I don't really think Dalen Terry is any good anyway. Meh, meh. I don't know. Uh, I was laughing because as uh, <laughs> as Jason Goff was tweeting, you need you need. Uh, Daily Terry's energy. As I was reading it, he goes over and headbutts the basket. Yeah, I I always I push back against the energy thing, because the numbers are actually better than you think regarding what we usually translate to energy. Their problem isn't energy. Their problem is can't shoot. The problem is just can't shoot the shot that's worth more. Won't shoot. They can't shoot it. Because uh, on the Organizations Win Championships podcast yesterday, uh, our producer Rick Camp unearthed some things. And if you follow him on Twitter, you saw some of this. We discussed this at length on the pod. The new episode just uh, was out yesterday. So definitely check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Since the Paris game, and including the Paris game, since that time, where do you think the Bulls rank in the NBA in defensive rating per cleaning the glass. Where do you think they rank in the entire NBA in, oh, in defense? God. Just team defense. Team defense, defensive rating. In 20th. Number one. What? They have the top defense in the NBA. Number one in the NBA, including and since the Paris game. 106.6 defensive rating. Now I am sorry, Bulls. Now that and and that is in large part where you would say, you know, are they playing with energy? Are they are they playing hard enough? Here, here. Well, are that's the, also Andre Drummond minutes, right? Like he, Andre Drummond equals rebounds. Here are the caveats to that number when you go inside that stat because that's that stat is like a rub your eyes. What what are you telling me? Kind of stat. Well, here's what's fascinating. First of all, the teams they've played in that stretch have been mostly bad. Yeah. I mean, if you if you look at, at who they've played and when they've played them and with the rosters that they played, it's been mostly bad. Now, what's amazing is in that stretch, they're allowing the 10th most attempts from three. So they're in the top third in three-point attempts allowed. And opponents are shooting 29.3%. That's the number I wanted to know. The second lowest is 33.2. And as Rick Camp points out here, that's like BABIP. When you're talking about an absolute certainty of regression, that is unsustainable with their offense being this bad. Their their defense has been good, and it's been the, the somehow through the Jedi mind trick – 
they're getting the opposing teams to miss threes at an unsustainable rate. Well, that but was the Bulls also, aren't taking any. But that was a point of emphasis. That was something Billy Donovan had talked about at length the first half of the season. Really, I'd say, especially the uh, pre-Paris, they talked about how they had to stop, and that was paramount, the three-point shooting of other teams. Teams like the Knicks, who were like one of the worst shooting teams in the NBA from three, had career season team shooting three nights against them. Like everybody was getting theirs. That was something they know they wanted to stop. But the question becomes at what price? I also feel like defensive efficiency and defensive rating is a stat that swings greatly in the NBA. It's not like offensive efficiency and offensive rating where it's fairly consistent. Don't you think? Yeah. Defensive efficiency will flip wildly, especially over spans of time. And that's why when you watch games, you can come away with a better understanding rather than just scouting the score sheet. Because when I, when the Bulls missed all those threes against Orlando, truth be told, a lot of those were good shots. Right. A lot of those missed threes weren't forced. They weren't contested. They weren't at the end of the shot clock. Their offense worked enough to get them. The sh- they just missed them too often. They just have to go in more, but it doesn't mean they were bad shots. And sometimes you get an opponent who's making crazy shots, like the like the one that did you watch the any of the Celtics and, and the Bucks last night? I wanted to. Oh, it was so much fun. It was it was it was good. If you like a bum fest, those Celtics reserves, they were missing like their top six guys or something like that. And they had guys you've never heard of out there playing really hard. Really hard. And and, and, and y'all are coming at me about Carly Jones. No, they really did. No, they that guy had Hauser hit this crazy shot at the end. It's Hauser, get your ass to Mars. I mean, it was really, it was, it was really fun watching them go after it. And I have to say this: I I can't stand Grayson Allen. He's a pretty good basketball player. He really okay, is. Duke, Dan. No, he. I don't like him at all. And you know, I'm not. I don't even like Duke that much. He's. He is he. He's pretty good. Which is why it's so sad that he has to resort to such cheap crap. Yeah, I know. And then Giannis does something like, oh, yeah. They have a guy who's eight feet tall and can do that. And wonderful and likable. <laughs> yep. And we're pronouncing his name wrong. Did you see that? No. Yeah, we've got it. There's, there's, it's actually, there's a, there's a video of him describing about how in, when he got his Greek passport, that there's a certain way that they transliterate his Nigerian-derived last name into Greek and then into for the NBA, they had to write it out in English, and there was lost in translation. It was almost like one of the Ellis Island stories, like Jason Marquis. Oh, those have know? been happening. Like my dad's last name isn't his real last name in Farsi. If you like, it's his middle name. And it just got even in down. Japanese that happens. I know, it, and you know, your Darvish is technically Darvishafat because that's like the translation from, from Farsi. Farsi to Japanese, oh. son of. But like, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's that's cool. But the point is, it happens more often than you think. Even now, the difference is we're just hip to it now. We can talk about it. We got Mike Florio coming up at eleven. Why don't we turn around some of what Jed Hoyer has already had to say this morning? I think he's been talking about this year and about their approach to the pitching staff. The president of baseball operations of the Cubs met the media just a little bit ago. So let's listen into what he had to say when we come back. Bernstein at Homes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. 
Will Crow working on Seiya Suzuki. Here's a drive in the deep left field. This ball's got a chance. Gone. When I look at our lineup, I, I think, you know, we have we have a lot of guys I think are going to get really quality at bats. Certainly, we talked so much last year about power. You know, I think we added we added some power this winter, but it's not our strength as an, from an offense. And I think having him, you know, continue to to you know improve, continue to to do what he did in April, I guess, um, having that kind of middle of the order presence would go a long way for our offense. Funny. Put on a lot of muscle weight. I'm not sure if Mike Rankin is making a uh, snarky editorial, uh, asking an editorial question with the choice of music here. But I would say I I have no reason to believe I offer two things to the court. Number one, Seiya Suzuki discovered Chick-fil-A when he moved here. He said that was like something he enjoyed. Okay. So maybe he enjoyed some Chick-fil-A. That's not what it looks like. Now he's he's, uh, decided to... You know, hashtag gains it and stopped stopped eating the Chick Fil A so much. I, I don't know whatever whatever he's doing looks like a lot of lean protein. It's like the Nico Horner workout. Yeah, yeah. Like remember when Nico Horner showed up last year and you're like, dude, like hashtag gains. I heard that from a spy over at the Bradley Sports. What's that about Nico? That he was there hitting over the winter last year. And someone said, "Hey, well, the compound there, podcast told us too." Yeah, but, but, but one of my one of my buddies was was saw him and just said he texted me and he's like, "Hey, Nico Horner's here, and he looks like it, it, it's, it looks like a giant dude who happens to look like Nico Horner." So he looks like a linebacker. Yeah, there is some trapezius happening. Yeah, like the big football muscles, like some Jack traps. Sanborn, even. Oh, Dan, like that big. I'm not gonna betray Dan, but man. What? Your point in the pre-show meeting. Well, we'll we'll get to part of it with Megan. You're, we'll get to part of it. Th- that opinion could napalm this entire city. <laughs> Don't overrate it. Like I, people were against you before, but I'm not wrong though. I'm not wrong. We'll, two things that we're not going to tell you if Dan and I are doing a show together. Number one, the dark holiday story. It's never happening. And then number two. What Dan said in the pre-show meeting today? <laughs> no, there there be a time and a place for it. I, I I don't really I don't think it's that big a deal because I think it's if you really sort of add together anybody who pays attention to me knows that I've been pretty consistent in discussing those things. But when you put them together, you put, yeah, it's when you're all on a maybe a billboard. People, where, where people riot. Don't belong. So Jed Hoyer talked. You're gonna today. have to move. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's fine. It'll it'll all it'll all come out in the wash. I don't. <laughs> Jed Hoyer is uh, was at Sloan. He was uh, he had the backdrop behind him and the reporters in front of him. And the first thing he talked about uh, as everybody was welcoming each other to the opening of Cubs spring training was just how strong their current roster construction is. I think we're going to throw a lot of strikes uh, for sure. I think our staff has really good command. <clears throat> I think we're going to really catch the ball. And, and that's certainly the hope is that you know our run prevention in general uh, exceeds expectations, you know, but... Like I said before, like I, I'm never going to sit here and tell, say why we're going to outperform a certain projection system. Just that I do think that we should have you know pretty good run prevention this year with the the, the improved defense, and I do think we're going to throw a lot of strikes. And you know we don't have a a strikeout pitching staff, but certainly we should limit our walks, and hopefully we um, the balls in play we can convert to outs. Are there five starter projected starters who have at least one Gold Glove? I think that's let's, right. Let's start thinking about it. I think it's Hap. Nico, right? No. Bellinger. Bellinger, for sure. 
Tucker Barnhart. Barnhart. Swanson. Yes. And I think does does maybe it's Hosmer who has one. Hosmer has one. I think he does. Yeah. Right? So if that's gonna be your first baseman. Do you really think he's gonna play the majority of I don't know. I, I think A time at first base, B his time at first base. I don't know. I don't know. But if if in fact they're if they're gonna throw a lot of strikes and if in fact there's going to be contact, if they're gonna turn batted balls into outs. That is a recipe for winning modern MLB baseball games. Layla, to your question, Jed Hoyer actually addressed this regarding Eric Hosmer against right-handed pitchers. Yeah, I mean, he's going to play um, you know, a lot of first base against right-hand pitching. Um, I don't want to sit here and make out David's lineups, but you know, I, I expect that he'll play a lot of first base against righties, and <clears throat> I expect Trey will, you know, will DH a lot against right-hand pitching as well. Okay, good. I mean, that's going to maybe squeeze Patrick Wisdom, depending on how you want to arrange things defensively. I'm still trying to figure out who's at third. Well, Nick Madrigal. It, stop. I know that's what Megan Montemurro, uh, our 1125 guest, wrote about, was the conversion of Nick Madrigal to third base, but Christopher Morell is going to be their new version of Ben Zobrist. He's going to play everywhere. They do have a really robust bench. If you consider that it's made up of pretty much who started last year, that's, how, that's what's supposed to happen. You know, look, look at what the Bears are trying to do: take all these guys they started and make them the bottom third of their roster. Eventually, Bodie Morell, Wisdom. Me, yes, yeah, I forgot about Bodie. He's yeah, still that's, around. That's what I'm saying. Like when Bodie's you start to think, there. we'll we'll talk about it with Megan at 11:25. I'm really looking forward to that conversation because. Their infield is a puzzle, even though the middle infield is figured out. And Jed Hoyer went on to address this new approach to pitching. Like, you talk about flexibility. They've got multi-inning relievers. They've got guys they could stretch out. They've got, they, they have a, an abundance of arms. And AAA, as far as organizational depth, guys who throughout the year might be on the roster fringe and and you know optioning up and down they're just going to be loaded so he discussed this approach to the staff i think craig and his group has done an incredible job of of really uh, trying to maximize every advantage and part of it is is realizing that you know the game has changed you know i think that when we were building up last time um, we focused so much on pitchability so much on strike throwing so much on game calling the game has changed now, and it, it, you have to have great stuff. You have to strike guys out. Um, obviously, we don't have a super high strikeout staff in the big leagues right now, and we have great defense as a result. But I think when you look at the minor leagues and what's coming, they're pretty high strikeout rates. We have really good stuff in the minors, and that's what wins in today's game. And so some of it is changing our emphasis a little bit in acquiring players, but a lot of it is just really individualizing what we do on the pitching level of each player, you know, trying to maximize and optimize every single player we bring in. I think Craig and his group do a great job of that. Craig is Craig Breslow, who yes. is the, I, don't, I forgot his title, he's like pitching guru guy. Transponster. Something. Yeah, he's, he's like their czar of pitching, whatever they're, they're calling it. Pitch lab overlord. Yeah, director of pitching. Director of pitching. Well, that's no fun. That's just a normal yeah, title. That's too easy. Way to buzzkill it, Rankin. Well, he's the assistant general manager, too. Ooh. Assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> he's assistant general manager and director of pitching. I like how transparent he's being, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, here's what we're going to do. Here are the dudes that are going to make that happen. Here's where we're going to put them. Except did he talk about third base? Did he? Did he talk about third? Do we know? 
His counterpart in Glendale, Rick Hahn, is scheduled to speak in about an hour and 20 minutes, and he's got much more heavy lifting to do than just talking about his baseball team's approach to actually playing baseball. Because if you're just joining us, Mike Clevenger, despite being under investigation for domestic abuse and child abuse by MLB, is a White Sox active in good standing and will not be placed on a commissioner's exempt list. According to Bob Nightingale. Yes. So according to Jerry Reinsdorf. But let's, I, I do want to hear how it's going to be addressed. Even that piece of it, I want to hear that from Rick Hahn if possible. And we will have it for you. As soon as we know, you will know. We've got Mike Florio coming up, putting a button on the Super Bowl as we head into the offseason. That's in just a couple minutes, so keep it here. Florio next on The Score. Our lives aren't like they used to be. They're busier. Early morning Zooms, grabbing coffee to make that in-office meeting, getting to your kid's soccer game on time. Life is different, and so is advertising. To reach any audience, you need your message out there in all media, broadcast to streaming, on screens, and right to the ears of your customers. And that's what we do at Odyssey. Let's build a media campaign that targets the customers you know and want to reach more of. Right here in our community. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 